0: Hi everyone, this is Nick Flanagan. I am the host of the podcast you're listening to, which is called Nick Flanagan Weekly. And today we have a wonderful guest. His name is John Semley. I had been thinking of talking to him for a really long time. I think he's very smart, interesting, has good takes, and (laughs) he has good takes. Oh my God, set the world on fire and burn it and Throw it into the sun. I never knew I would say I thought someone had good takes, but here I outside of if I were directing an actor. But that didn't happen. My dream of directing fell through, and here I am directing you to listen to this interview I did with John Semley, writer of This Is A Book, about kids in the hall, and most recently, Hater on the Virtues of Utter Disagreeability which is on uh, Penguin Random House. And, uh, yeah, he talks in that book about the importance of being... My cat just entered the room. On the importance of being critical and potentially contrary. And we get into it about that and the nuances of that in our talk. So hopefully you enjoy that. Follow John at John Semley 3000 on Twitter. And he's writing for so many different things. So keep an eye for his articles. And uh, I really actually would love to get John back because I wanted to talk to him about mental health stuff. And we didn't even get into it. We really just rolled through this interview. And it was a fun talk. And he came to my house. And, you know, it's always nice having people at my house. And they meet my mom. And, you know, that's awkward. And, uh, and then come am in my small room, and we huddle together, and it's all very strange. If you want to uh, get in touch with the podcast, we are at weeklypodcast at com. and if you want to support the podcast, you could go to co-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan to leave a one-time donation, or go to patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan, and there are lots of goodies as CRL once said check out that song goodies all right have a great time you're wonderful thank you for listening here's my talk with john semley easy thing to say crazy sure but uh but if you suffer
1: from mental illness i feel like you're allowed to use the word crazy claim it i guess so uh in academia there's actually a movement called crazy studies
0: uh, Started by a crazy person, I'm assuming Yeah,
1: I just think it's funny Crazy Studies crazy Sounds studies. wild
0: Probably has a semiotics based name So although it's called crazy It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like it means, you know
1: It's constantly being deconstructed, reconstructed
0: Yeah, Did you? what did you take in McGill?
1: Uh, history and English
0: Okay Getting back to Owen Benjamin Okay <laughs> yeah. He's a comedian Right Who worked at the Improv Okay. Uh, literally, not as an like, as a comedian, he had a weekly show at the Improv, was with all these L.A. comics, you know, and then when that Google guy, James Elmore, put out... Darmore. Darmore.
1: James, Darmore. Elmore. James Elmore. <laughs> James Elroy. <laughs>
0: James Elroy. <laughs> 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 Elmore Leonard. Yeah. When Elmore Leonard released that problematic letter yeah. saying, women aren't is- interested in engineering, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Owen oh, benjamin uh made like he's like a piano comedian he did like this weird thing where he made a video kind of talking about free speech and that immediately welcomed him into the folds of your weinsteins and your uh, sam harris and your claire ben, lemon ben shapiro
1: who's that claire the quillette lady that australian woman
0: angela nagel
1: no, although Angela Nagel used yeah, she, to be left, but now she's like she uh, fell off. Yeah, him. now she's like a Viktor Orbán person.
0: I don't know. Who's Viktor Orbán?
1: Uh, president the, of Hungary.
0: Okay, this is this is this is what this conversation John Stanley versus Nick Flanagan is going to be like for most of it <laughs> is going to be us saying the names of people that neither of us. Yeah I, know. I, yeah, I don't even know.
1: I <laughs> know that Orban is an Eastern European despot. Of some yeah, variety. so she
0: became sort of probably just like paid by RT or something. You know. Like, yeah. What do you think of RT? I'm uh, all over the place with you. I want to ask you. A yeah, yeah. Thing. So
1: I have I've. Like many things, I'm have two minds about it. Actually, that RT does some fun stuff, creates good content, for lack of a better word. Yeah. I like to watch Larry King.
0: Yeah, Larry King has gotten. <laughs> I mean, I'm. Larry King has had the most interesting thing happen since uh, getting kicked off of CNN. When the first thing he did was, he was like, "I've partnered with." Uh, this wonderful man named Carlos Slim one of the most richest people in the world yes they say that it's actually Mexican cartel money that has turned him into a billionaire but as far as I know he's given me a microphone (laughs) and so I loved the Larry King Now period I was obsessed with Larry King Now I mean I guess it's still on on RT yeah yeah, it's on RT when it was on whatever it was on before Hulu or something yeah um, it he was having like Wiz Khalifa And, like, he had just, like, you could really tell he was just taking whoever was coming on. Uh, He had some very low-grade guests, if I recall. Uh, Eric Andre was on it. Oh, really? Yes. You can see that online. And uh, he would just be like, so, Eric, uh, oh, that sounds crazy what you're doing. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Wow. Wow, times have changed. There's something no, like he's never against a, a guest. He's like the original Dave Rubin. That's what people talk about, right? Like, he's the guy who would just be like, "Okay, idiomine, so uh, justify <laughs> everything, please." And he'd be like, "You know, justify." I'm not gonna do an idiomine impression, but. Joseph
1: Coney, he likes <laughs> to see likes to see both sides.
0: Walter Kanning, Larry King.
1: Uh Anyway, so RT, I mean, uh, obviously, yeah, it's a you know propaganda arm. Of it's something
0: Putin. I'm confused by what it is as well.
1: But there's something about. Uh, I read this book. I'm trying to think of the title. It was called. Uh, Everything is Permitted, and it was about how the media apparatus was built in sort of post-Cold War Russia, as basically they get a bunch of people with, like, semiotics degrees Uh to be like, okay, how can we control the population while having the illusion that they're free and we have a free media and all this? And in a way this is going to sound like a fucking dumbass, like, baby Zizek inversion, but there's right. something more honest about it because you know that it's a lie. You know, like, when you're when you're actually hiding how the media sort of uh, has its biases and the things that it's covering up, that, to me, is more sinister than RT, which is like, yes, we are a propaganda wing, and here's our programming. It allows yeah. you to judge it with a certain clarity, I guess.
0: I, I, I agree, and, I mean, I think that Russia has, like, a very interesting place in world the history of world thinking you right. know i mean for to me it's like russian literature of what the 17 to 1800s or something yeah
1: 19th century early 20th century even and
0: late 18th century i believe gogol and
1: pushkin yeah and it, it is the you know, overcoat
0: yeah it's overcoaty <laughs> it's samovari <laughs> dead soulsy and it's dead soulsy but there's uh A prime hunger, the the primary thing is to, like, expose human nature. Right. Seemingly, you know, or, like, to state this is human nature, you know. And a lot of the time it basically comes down to, like, we value our family, but sometimes we must cast them aside. Or, you know, for gain, we will kill another person. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, so much of Dostoevsky is about, like, hypocrisy and, like, how all people sort of live as hypocrites in a way.
0: Yeah, and it's also about civilization not being able to stop dissents into madness. Yeah, You know, which is, like, Notes from the Underground and actually also... Uh, The Possessed?
1: Yeah. You know? What a crotchety guy, too. He's getting upset about that... The Crystal (laughs) Palace.
0: (laughs) What was the Crystal Palace? I
1: I think it's in the intro to Notes from the Underground. He writes... (laughs) He he just writes about, like... He's one of those people where... He'll wrap a lot of critiques of modern civilization around just like an architectural project. That doesn't like,
0: <laughs> well, like that's like. I mean, you know, someone is writing that about Toronto architecture. Yeah, they've probably been writing it for ten years.
1: Yeah, like the Robarts Library. Like I all love of my critique. Oh my god, yeah. I can't fucking stand it. Really? You well, know, talk about Russian stuff. That brutalist architecture. Like. I
0: think it in the brutalist architecture peppers all of Toronto, the six Hogtown, and. <laughs> Frankly, I think that at least there's a consistency to that style. And now I see it and I get nostalgic, having grown up with it and thinking it was ugly.
1: I can see that. I just know know that like having spent time, it feels like you're in some sort of... Baffling yeah, concrete oh no, octagonal work, in- and it's
0: sinking, and you know, yeah, it's like- and people
1: say, Oh, from if you look at it from the top, it looks like a peacock. I'm like, interesting because yeah. when you're inside, it makes you feel like you're a fucking in like a Brazil style dystopia, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't really understand. There, why the city has these two 1970s and 80s. Um, by the way, so where do we start with this? Owen Benjamin and oh, we're right. already yeah, in, yeah. into Toronto architecture. But there's two types of like future leaning architectural modes that were made in Toronto in the 70s, I guess 60s through 80s. And one is the Robarts Library brutalist style. You'll see it all over uh, gray, gray, gray cement and like I guess geometrical angles
1: everywhere. Everything looks like a hexagon.
0: Yeah, and then there's some stuff that keeps the sort of angles, but they make it into uh, sort of Empire Strikes Back, like... Uh, right, almost sort of a deco... Beautiful, most of yeah. them. Like the old science center mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, the reference library. Which, yeah. With the Toronto reference library. And and there's the even community.
1: a couple of old sort of apartment buildings that yeah. have that sort of art yeah. deco slash Albert Speer sheet. Yeah, but, but, you know... A reference but, to famous Nazi architect Albert, Albert Speer, Speer, of course. Yeah. And,
0: and... Uh, and also, I feel like the movie Brave New World, that's like 20 minutes long, <laughs> yeah. that was shot in Toronto, and I think John Candy might be in it. Oh, really? Yeah, there's. I think that that might display some of that type of architecture. But getting back to Owen Benjamin. Okay. Owen Benjamin was too crazy for the internet, intellectual dark web. He was writing for Steven Crowder. Oh. Who knew he had writers? Yeah. But uh, it makes sense. You can't it, produce It's so sharp, like that, yeah. Without... How do you
1: come up with a character like Not Gay Jared? Uh, well, I think own? Not
0: Gay Jared had a hand in, in shaping his own uh, thing, Steven Crowder from Montreal came up in stand up with a lot of comedians I know. Okay. Yeah. Interesting uh, fact.
1: Up and down or I mean I I was trying to imagine what his sets were like. I
0: think he is up and down. I think he's not a happy person personally.
1: I know he voiced was it Arthur? Our, our
0: friend of Arthur.
1: Friend of Arthur yeah. or Brain or one of the One
0: it was the show Oh no.
1: Was... It was like it was on Arthur.
0: Yeah, it was a character on Arthur. Anyways, which is of course a meme uh, became a meat. Holding the fist. I will say this,
1: I don't know if this is to my credit or to Steven Crowder's, but one of the first of those types of people to ever block me on Twitter. Was Steven Crowder?
0: Yes. Interesting. Because
1: he, he wrote this piece for... Uh, Back when he was still kind of a Fox News guy, <laughs> about how it's cool to never have sex until you're married. I'm familiar
0: with his viewpoint, yeah, that. and yeah. how
1: like any woman who doesn't wait till marriage to have sex is like a slut and all this and mm-hmm. a harlot and whatever. These are his words, not mine.
0: No. Uh, harlot. He and, probably did use the word harlot.
1: Yeah, uh, and so I mocked him for that, and he blocked me on Twitter. He's like, "These
0: women are scallions."
1: Yeah, <laughs> scallions. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> but. Yeah, uh... Sensitive guy. Scallywags. These women are scallywags. So
1: Owen Benjamin, he was writing, like, the, uh... I only have one ball, debate me,
0: uh... I I think there were sketches. Like, we only know the surface-level Crowder stuff. Right. But there's... I've watched... When I first discovered him, it was because, I think, the YouTube algorithm was being seriously janked, and Stephen Crowder videos were appearing... Maybe I was finding out about Milo Shinopoulos or something.
1: Or you strike me as someone who would watch Greg Gutfield like, Red Eye. No. No,
0: no I am a deep <laughs> ha- hate watcher and literally a deep, like, hate watcher. Like, right. I, I like to see, to know what is going on in the field of people getting worse and worse, you know? Mm-hmm. So Gutfeld, i would probably watch some clips of Red Eye, but that guy is just... It's kind of complicated with him because, like, he's actually had people I know on. And actually, when I had Damien in here the other day, I think Damien Abraham he was talking about how he'd gone on Red Eye. Right. And...
1: How Gutfield's a nice guy.
0: Well, he didn't go... That wasn't his first he defense. He didn't go that He far. didn't defend himself. He <laughs> said he felt bad that he'd done it. Right. But, yeah, I have a friend who's been on a few times and he talked about how nice Gutfield is or whatever Gutfield, uh, And he doesn't really register with me in terms of, like, all... Most of the Fox News people are just, like, to me people who are paid to kind of bend over backwards to come up with a reason to criticize whatever they're supposed to criticize, right. you know, or whatever. Like they don't need to be told to do talking points because it's inherent in getting the job what the talk what you know, what the perspective should basically be.
1: Right. Making other people's lives miserable. Yeah. So
0: when Tucker Carlson says, I've never once been told how to you know, what to say. It's like, duh. Yeah. Because you have a very set-in-stone perspective and it's, oh God. I mean, you know, I. so I'm, I, what I'm trying to say is I've been obsessed with uh, all that shit and when Steven Crowder came up, it when I first found out about him, it was an owning the libs. Right, right. Clip of him at a university. I right. think Milo was even there as well, and it was like him doing this thing to protesters where he's like, "Let me tell you about like the fast talking." Like, yeah, where do you get your data? Where do you get your data? Well, it wasn't even it wasn't even like that. He was just like, he was just like your trust fund, uh, you know, over uh, like like uh you know teat suckle these are none of these words were suckle. (laughs) but you know just basically talking shit to leftist college students and also a collective rather than any individual which is what they like to do and and there's no specific enemy most of the time unless they're trans and yelling
1: and he does that thing where he moves the goalposts in real time when he's quote arguing with someone where it's like well You'd agree that there's only two genders. You'd agree with that. You'd agree with that, right? And someone would be like, no, I don't agree. It's, okay, so you agreed with that. And then he'll start going on from there, you know? When you say sketches, like, I can... Yeah,
0: it's can... like a, he he does a comedy show. Yeah. Like everybody is so busy focusing on how dumb his opinions are. And it's what, what we're not really able to wrap our head around is the delivery system. Right. Which is, like, as much as it's him doing, like, a talking head thing... It's him doing some sketch where he's in a dress. Yeah, like Bugs know, Bunny dress. Talking, yeah, talking about you know how abortion is bad or something. Yeah, or you know? my
1: gender is an attack helicopter.
0: Yeah, yeah. I know, like using very well worn meme culture stuff. But yeah, I and with all these people, the delivery system is the key. I think you know it, it's it's. All presented digestibly. Boris Johnson tried to do one recently about Brexit on like one of these on a PragerU website. Oh, he was on PragerU. What, what's wrong with Brexit? You know, what's like, or what's wrong with Theresa May or something? Was it him
1: or was it Nigel Farage? Because I saw the Nigel it, Farage PragerU. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, it was
0: Farage. And uh, yeah, like in that kind of thing, it, they spent
1: millions moving the papers down the highway <laughs> from Belgium yeah. to France. It's and mental.
0: What's interesting to me is like you know that and vlogging. Are like, you know, the delivery system right now and the left's response beyond the podcast world of, say, Trap House or, you know, Red Scare, Red Scare, Champagne Sharks, even, whatever. And I mean, that's all in a specific universe. But above one step above that, mostly I'm talking about the Young Turks like network. I don't know who this is for, that I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I I, I like it's this. It's very interesting to me. I,
1: I, I'm, I'm obsessed with in it. In fact, I'm in, intending to put pen to pad and write about this soon, but the emergence of left tube. Like, That's what I was going to say. Yeah. And
0: and, 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 and pl- fighting, like, playing the same game, which I think is what's been the undoing of the left in the last eight years in a sense you yeah know?
1: i mean i i sort of you know you talk about the algorithm and stuff like this and i'm totally with you like i hate watch all these channels you yeah. know like you mentioned a prager you video and i know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about sure. i remember a couple months ago i was like okay i'm gonna get in the tub and watch clint eastwood's pale rider and just Ooh, enjoy a bath i hope you were streaming it uh literally couldn't even get into it because i just ended up watching a stephen crowder debate me video while i'm relaxing in the tub and just right. working myself into a stroke so
0: are you relaxing you know <laughs> but
1: then through that you get into these jordan Peter. Peterson videos, and then the critique videos start coming up, like contrapoints or zero books and all this stuff. Yeah,
0: and those are good. And I've successfully
1: yeah. kind of reworked my whole algorithm, so it's just you know philosophy tube and yeah, contrapoints me, me and, and three you know know arrows. Who's
0: great is three arrows. Yeah, yeah. three arrows is yeah. awesome. Yeah. To me, the top YouTubers for the, that left tube and and that those guys aren't. That's not what I'm talking about when I'm when I'm critiquing. Uh, uh, those guy, those two, those guy, don't say guy, uh, are. <laughs> The top, uh, I think, Contrapoints is probably the best YouTuber right, yeah. right now. And Cuck I, philosophy,
1: I'm a big fan of. I don't I know mean... Cuck
0: philosophy. I mean, some like I, the thing about Contrapoints that's special to me is just that, you know, it's it's coming from such she comes from such an an like sympathetic, let's not yes. say empathetic uh, view of all of these things with like a knowledge from being on the internet in a what seems like a pretty deep way and. Because of that, you know, her take on Peterson was just uh, comparably emotionless, uh, uh, in, in a, you know, not emotional-driven, um, which, like, I have a hard time doing with him. I have a feeling you have a hard time doing with him. Yeah, You know, because yeah. I've read your critiques of him, and it's like, it's very easy to just go, fuck this shit, if you have, like, a knowledge of academia on any level, you yeah. know, and, and you have to write... 400 you know 800 words yeah you know like you don't have a lot of space you know and and she's able to make a 40 minute video about it you know yeah
1: and i think that these people and i can't remember if it's three arrows or maybe cuck philosophy but one of them did a video because they understand how people are radicalized on youtube how you fall down into these sort of rabbit holes that are you know accelerated by the function of the algorithm itself and Knowing that they can really like reach out to this, people. yeah, they're, they're like,
0: gaming it in a sense, yeah. Like
1: ContraPoints, what gets written about, it's like, oh, she's trying to sort of deprogram the minds of the alt right, yeah. And I don't know, maybe that gives it makes it feel a bit too much like a mission or something it's, it's
0: hyperbolic yeah but, you know, which is the other issue. but i think it, it can have that effect
1: stuff. right and i think that when you understand like you know essentially you start watching a ben shapiro video because you like the fact that this guy is like sassy and clapping back to like yeah. kids on campus who you find annoying And it's like i right. get that i get why people find people like this on campus annoying sure. a lot of the time but then nine videos later and you're repeating like white genocide in south africa talking
0: points well you know? and, yeah, i mean the thing about South Africa is the best example. Uh South Africa, Sweden, and maybe France or something are are like these things where on the surface people might like they're just more mainstream issues uh, right. specifically like no-go zones and and um, killing farmers and this stuff. Then I don't want to say they should be because I think there's probably grains of truth into all of this, but I also think They're not indicative of some sort of, like, racial takeover. I think that they have a lot more to do with, uh, in the case of South Africa, like, how much of a fucking mess the country is and the after effects of apartheid. And and that is so complicated that I think being external of Africa and trying to wrap your head around it is probably silly well and i
1: also also think as someone who grew up listening to like coast to coast and conspiracy theory radio and always sort of loving that stuff taking it with like a grain or a teaspoon of salt or whatever but these people especially the so-called idw which you mentioned right i mean they are the most conspiratorial people going i mean they're not they're not quite like alex jones level berserk but it's like they believe that there is a sort of postmodern marxist cabal that is trying to set the agenda of world politics and destroying
0: western culture so, so i think on some level they they i they do think that i it's kind of hard to tell because i have a hard time knowing if like the things they're saying on the surface are as far as they go or if it's like you know underneath say an evangelical christian like say megan mccain or I'm assuming she's a Christian.
1: She I thought know. she was Jewish.
0: Yeah, uh, maybe she's a bad example. But just like, you know, all these hardcore Christians who are like, we support Israel so much. Right. Uh, you know, how much that has to do with biblical theory. You know, and, right. and they, they just
1: want everyone to be there so that Christ will return. I did.
0: I mean, that is my conspiracy theory. Yeah, you know? I mean,
1: yeah. I don't think. I don't even think it's that conspiratorial. I mean, there are Christian Zionists who go there and like work on kibbutzes to prepare the land yeah. so that every Jewish person can return to Israel and Christ will come back.
0: Well, like, that's their explicit goal is on, on why Benjamin Netanyahu keeps winning. Is like if you look at the immigration into Israel, I would presume it would be a lot of ultra-Orthodox American Jewish people. Right. So they have a vested interest in settlements. They have a vested interest. And on top of that, Netanyahu has created... I, I read this in his Wikipedia the other day. <laughs> uh, he completely changed the um, economic uh, situation in Israel. Like, he deprivatized... Or he privatized a lot of stuff. He made it so you could spend money more money abroad... So he kind of introduced further he further capitalism capitalist uh uh elements into it and uh became more popular because the country what in the moment flourished from it. So uh that would bring people interested in that. But isn't that you know?
1: coupled with legislation that's like Arabic is no longer an official language? It and it's is, like but
0: I think that's what it's a third of people who, who live orthodox, in Israel, yeah, you know, and and uh And I think that alongside this apparent radicalization of some sort of, like, the youth there, which is very interesting to me, you know, like... And and I think that that gets back into those videos you're talking about, which are, you know, worldwide. Right. So they're actually having an impact everywhere. And I don't know if something like ContraPoints or Three Arrows... Uh, would work on a person in Serbia or Israel as well as it's working in the West. Yeah, you know? because,
1: I mean, it, it's so conversant in, like, pop culture and stuff like that. Yeah, and, uh, and but those it, guys are also funny, and, like, they have, like, a sense of humor. And it's not like watching, like, you, the Young Turks or, like, the David Pac-Man yeah, show Yeah, David pac
0: I still can't believe his name is pronounced Pac-Man. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. Stefan Molyneux always dines out on that. It's like,
0: a oh, David Pac-Man, quite a silly name. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so... Um, that was
1: my impression of the uh, Mississauga philosopher. <laughs> is uh,
0: he in Mississauga?
1: I think he's a is a GTA'er. Why oh, are there August's so many Canadian. Canadians in the alt right? J-
0: Jordan Peterson,
1: uh, Stefan Molyneux, Lauren Southern.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the answer for those, the a lot of those, like, is that the rebel was right. Uh, the the Ezra client, Ezra, Ezra Levant. Levant's, uh, um, What do you call it? Like the like a conservative? I guess was it a television station or was it internet?
1: It there was was it a station? Maybe I'm confusing it with Sun News. Yeah,
0: I mean it basically was just a right wing repository, but far right, and it helped prop up Gavin McInnes. It helped prop up the profile of Lauren Southern and Faith Goldie primarily but there's a lot of other terrible people who it also helped. Tommy Robinson Tommy Robinson but Gavin was all over Tommy Robinson as well and uh, I think he's since changed his name again but uh, Tommy or Gavin? Tommy Tommy. because I know
1: Gavin tried to rebrand as Miles McInnes who's like (laughs) Gavin's kooky SJW
0: brother (laughs) and then got kicked off of Twitter within like a day of attempting to do that. Some weird shit But look, you wrote this book, Hater. Right. I'm not trying to crowbar in the fact you wrote a book called Hater that I read, but where does it fall into in this world of the political thing where literally both sides are the haters?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think what the...
0: Contrarianism is a huge part of the right-wing attack on the left.
1: I, I think that what the book tries to do is try to... Hu ground I, it kind of came out of the idea well a always being called a hater because I dislike a lot of things and I feel under no particular obligation to like things to be honest uh yeah. but but also with uh the but do with, you with, like me I like you a lot, Nick. Oh, yes. I like you too, too. Uh, when Trump got elected, and you we got, didn't
0: like because you knew I was in America, <laughs> and you thought I had something to do with it.
1: No, no, but we got this really watery rhetoric on the left, like love Trump's hate, love Trump's hate. I remember mm-hmm. seeing people protesting outside Trump Tower, and the looks on their faces were just like they hated Trump, and yeah. rightfully so. But they still had to adopt this rhetoric of like loving and all this because mm-hmm. it was a way of sort of staking out this moral high ground Mm -hmm. above the people you don't like and it was so disingenuous Mm -hmm. to me and then i was thinking about that i'm like well there has to be a way to accept the fact that we can hate things and we can hate things in a productive way and i don't mean like hate other people or hate different groups or whatever but that you can have a sort of radiant hatred that actually inspires you to want to create positive things right
0: yeah i i mean i do know where you're coming from with that and i i do agree with it to some extent i mean i do agree with it i i I think that you know so it's just in the long game sometimes i wonder because it's like you know punk rock had the sort of hate element to it and like you know what's what's the end game of that, right? Like, what I, I'm I'm serious. I'm, a, I'm not asking that rhetorically. I, I'm like, you know, uh, even Jello Biafra, for instance, our sure. favorite voice. Everyone's favorite. Uh, the, I consider
1: favorite this Jesus. Canada's What Would Jello Do? Uh, does he have a
0: podcast called What Would Jello? He do?
1: does YouTube videos where uh, they're called WWJD, yeah. uh, a reference, of course, to What Would Jesus Do? Of course. Uh, and he opens he up everyone by going, We're back with another episode of What Would Jello Do? Uh, Go he... to a record store,
0: <laughs> take all the records, and just watch. Not pay for the yeah. I
1: heard that story, too. <laughs> but uh, it'll be him reading a rant, but he he's so lo fi that he'll have like. A sh- like sheets of eight and a half by eleven like canary yellow paper that he's uh-huh. reading it off of. Uh, anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to jump in there. No,
0: I want to hear that. I want to hear that kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, you know, Jello by Afro was very political. You know, uh, when I was thirteen or fourteen, and I thought, oh, like this band is saying the unsayable. Maybe I should. <laughs> hate reagan i already don't like and reagan, phyllis like,
1: schlafly yeah all these people
0: i've never heard of and bella I, abzug i didn't know anything about say uh jerry brown <laughs> yeah i should hate jerry brown um i didn't know anything about dan uh, quail no dan white i think was his name who shot uh harvey milk right and they had a whole if you it, the vinyl copy of give me convenience or give me Death" had this huge booklet with it that had all this information in it, it was essentially a zine it also had lyrics and, you know, that informed me of that stuff.
1: Did They talk about Dan White, how he claimed that because he ate defense, a Twinkie, yeah, he yeah. like went berserk.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think that you can trace, I mean, it's amazing with American miscarriages of justice. It's like, it just it just keeps going back and back, you yes. know, like it, you can take it as far as... Uh, I don't
1: know but I'll say this this is the thing about politics these days is I can go back and I can listen to Full Metal Jackoff by Jello and DOA or like The Power of Lard and it's like there was a period of my life where it's like oh it was so this music's so adolescent but then you realize that it's just literally right Uh and it's not only because it's like it's critique of American politics was spot on at the time it's that when you get older and you sort of age out of the sort of crassness and non-subtlety of it now the world is just that crass and unsubtle you know yeah but you,
0: I mean you would ask like did it add to it I mean you know like that's because did it offer solutions I mean th- this is not stuff but it's that a I have thing. a distinct answer for I mean my music when I was in band in, in Brutal Nights was like negative in a sense and yeah. I, I was expressing whatever I was like feeling in that moment and it was like on some level it was cathartic you know but it was also just felt the more important thing was that it was like true to how I was feeling in the moment. And, uh, I think that's, the best way to go about it. I mean, whether it's positive or negative.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of, so in a, that sense, I just, I agree with you. It's you sort know? of like what we're saying too, about these YouTubers, right? Where I think there's a benefit to meeting something on its own terms. I mean, the attitude that I can't stomach these days is, have you ever heard hope punk? When people talk about hope punk or
0: what would be a hope?
1: Punk so band? hope punk, it not, it's not even music. It's more of like a, I think it's like a young adult literary genre. Oh yeah. It's That's, one of those things yeah. where I read like half a trend piece about it and uh-huh. had to like, just, put it down because do i was... you think
0: there are too many people writing nowadays
1: well i just think that there's this attitude where it's like oh the world may be awful and it's shitty and we've never been more divided mm-hmm. but ah there's that little spark of hope and i've indulged it too when i've written things and i never ever believe it when i do it it's just like a mm-hmm. way out of an article basically but i think that like you know the old uh Greek story of Pandora's box right? okay so
0: Pandora's this lady she's
1: she's got this box she's holding a box a jar in some versions sure and all the sins of the world are in it right malice malice uh, ganja rudeness (laughs) yeah ganja bad doctors yayo backseat driving flubber flubber gets out and just bounces around but anyways so they all escape when someone opens the box and then the one that remains is hope right? right and it's like well The question is, does hope remain because it's not a sin or is it a sin that just like didn't get out? And by remaining, is it there just to kind of confuse us? So sometimes I think when we hope, when we have hope, right, or we think we have hope, it's just kind of this like weird palliative that sort of lulls us into inaction. Because right. we want to believe that there's something about which we could be hopeful or optimistic. But what if there's not? What if we have to accept how fucking despairing everything is in order to actually get the impetus to change it? You know?
0: Well, I think that consensus over how horrible everything is is uh, that's uh, where we run into. Right. That's Oscar- who you ask. Yeah, because the subjectivity of what's horrible is seems to be the main thing. You know, like the, the, the thing with America right now is how many people are talking about the things they hate, how much they hate Trump, how much uh, they hate this attorney general who is, like, withholding the Mueller report, how much they hate uh, Betsy DeVos, DeVos or whatever. Right. Like... This is going to sound terrible, but the level of privilege and luxury that your average American who is communicating via the web, even if they're under stress because of their insurance, even if they're under right. stress because of low job prospects, Comparative, comparatively to, obviously not Canada, but, I mean, I'm talking more about the West here, you know, I've always just thought to... to give your voice like not you but like the voiceless are voiceless because they don't have a voice so no one's speaking for them right you know and it seems like there's a lot of assuming the voice of the voiceless in people expressing themselves on social media on whatever you know it's like so I'm obsessed with like the overdose prevention Thing going on right now harm sure reduction. I had Zoe on the show I had Zoe on Zoe Dodd on the show and it's just it seems like a revolutionary take on addiction you know and the like essentially almost like a microcosm of figuring out like how to dial kind of unabashed capitalism back a little bit right you know and, in that it's it's about other people living more than it's about anything else right you know and uh Um, I, I think that those people who are on the front line of it, not necessarily insanely online, you know, are the ones that are interacting the most with the people who need it and they're doing it physically. And often it is those people who are, you know parts of these movements you Mm -hmm. know and and to me that interest that that that's where i think the reality of it all yeah i mean
1: i I think i mean you're right about being extremely online which i i am not trying to
0: accuse you no 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 i know but i mean i mean
1: there's a level there's a level of if you want to even call it discourse but there's something happening there and my favorite analogy for this idea of the discourse that people Uh talk about right it's like remember simpsons when it's like maggie's birthday and then marge makes like a fake cake so Homer can ruin it and not ruin the real cake
0: <laughs> no I don't remember that. So the f- Is that from your favorite seasons one through six
1: yeah yeah that's it. That's right in there uh, if you read Hater you
0: can that's a spoiler <laughs> I can spoil the whole book for John because he likes things being spoiled
1: my conventional uh, take on which Simpsons are good
0: you spoiled The Force Awakens for me
1: that's when, true. On Twitter. Uh, did I actually? Oh, Han Solo dies, I said. I died, <laughs> as an
0: acrostic. And you might have said passes away. <laughs>
1: passes away. He passed on. <laughs> like Gigi Allen. He yes, um, passed on. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, that this, this this sort of extremely online discourse is kind of the fake cake that we just kind of ruin. You can go on. In lieu of, yeah, actually partaking in the world. That's, uh, in an that's what I'm lay, saying. You is, know? is
0: like. You know, the war of, like, all of these are wars that are fun distractions, you know? And and also, to me, it just comes down to, like, okay, you talk in your book about entertainment not really changing things, you know? It, it, which, when I read that, I thought, well, Bob Marley is, like, a weird exception, but I kind of, I knew what you meant. And when you're talking about someone like Bob Marley, it's about, like, what he represented to his country, in a way, you know? So, it's almost an inversion of, or, or along the lines of when you talk about Beyonce in your book, and you say she's not music exactly, she's sort of a com, uh, icon, like, literally. You yes, know? yeah. She is an avatar for others, so if she, the hopes and dreams of others, so if she, you know, goes to the White House and takes a dump on the lawn you know that one spire the world the the nation of fans to maybe do the same like when willie
1: nelson smoked a joint on the roof and that became the coolest thing you could do but
0: willie nelson yeah but really that probably just inspired like you know uh people to tell that story (laughs) yeah or what's that guy uh who did beer for my horses oh uh Um, i can't remember whatever the, the you know who i'm talking about yeah uh he you know probably inspired him to like Whiskey you know, upper, for my
1: friends and beer for my own. Yeah, yeah, he
0: probably inspired him to like bring a gun to the White House or something. <laughs> He's like, I'm a badass. But, but you
1: know. I will say, I mean, uh, as far as entertain, I, I do think that there's like a problem. Allegedly
0: bring a gun to the, I mean, he never did. To the alleged White House. Allegedly.
1: <laughs> uh, I think that there's a problem that happens where people confuse the cultural energies and the political energies of things. And they think that if we have enough sort of like Marvel comics movies with Mm -hmm. progressive seeming themes, that that is going to be some sort of meaningful challenge to the Trump administration, Mm -hmm. which I do not buy that. I think that that is like so confused, but I don't think that entertainment and art is like useless, even politically. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure you have, and I have, and I'm sure everyone has had trans formative experiences reading a book or watching a film or listening to an album where even if it's fucking 80s west coast hardcore where Uh you see something from a perspective that you've never considered before and that can change how you interact as a political subject you know but I don't think that there's a direct correlation between what movies make money at the box office and what the political landscape is because we see now that these two things are totally diametrically opposed from one another what if
0: I were to tell you that Beto O'Rourke only considered a political run when he heard both on parade (laughs) because he thought i could do better than this music i could rally around my family and uh, (laughs) and pop on a counter whatever (laughs) yeah hop on a counter in iowa or whatever or texas yeah uh but yeah i i i know what you mean i i think it's like it's interesting because you're sort of That's like two things... You're talking about two... You're making two diametrically opposed points, right? Yeah. You're sort of saying that you think that people... Or I guess you're not. You're just saying people have an uh, over-exaggerated sense of how much that accomplishes
1: yeah and that and that it accomplishes if we're inactive
0: afterwards i, I like think unless we get really engaged yeah and
1: i think that what can change through encounters with art and culture and even entertainment is like personal subjectivity and yeah. like that personal subjectivity can be wrangled towards any number of ends that could be productive or not i think that like but that is a different thing than just thinking like okay we have to have sort of limp liberally progressive blockbusters now
0: yeah
1: uh and, you know, I mean, I'm sure you see the ways in which people are sort of weirdly censorious about this stuff or like yeah. always, always finding something to get upset. i like, you know, I could agree with that stuff to a certain extent, you know, but mm. the way that everything's written off is like problematic. Like mo- most of the shit, like you watch a Lars von Trier movie or something and it's just like morally and ethically repugnant. But yeah. that repugnance is itself so edifying. And I mean, I think that there's like value to be gleaned there. I would hate to live in this world where like every movie is Captain Marvel and the big sick.
0: Yeah, I mean, but well, that's an interesting thing, right, is, you know, like, just not to bring it back to Jordan Peterson too long, but, like, a large Trier movie like Breaking the Waves has, like, more in common with his philosophy of, you know, Dostoevsky and basically of, like, the world being a terrifying shithole that you need to navigate uh, with dignity, yes, and, to be uh, transcended, yeah and, yeah, and and you know, uh, with your principles and morals intact, you know, and uh, that you will suffer, and people will suffer, and you must. Uh, you may become cynical from it, but you must do your duty, you know? and Live courageously. Live courageously. I mean, I I think
1: a difference is that a movie like Breaking the Waves is fundamentally ironic in how it approaches that, which is to say that I don't think that Trier actually believes that. Well, that that, was what was
0: so (laughs) cruel feeling about the movie. It's like basically about a woman being punished for like sticking around and he's kind of <laughs> right and
1: he's kind of you know arguably making fun of her a bit but uh yeah because but, but, she's but, just such a martyr but again right? what what he's subjecting to criticism is that whole idea that idea of martyrdom and self-sacrifice and this idea that you can sort of torque your soul into a perfect form <laughs> so you can transcend to heaven at the end of the day yeah,
0: maybe so i mean you know uh just just to there was some other point I wanted to make. Well, well, you talk about subjectivity, and, and that was something that I noticed even in your book was impossible to, like, avoid because you'll talk about, you know, Beyonce in the one sense. Uh, I don't I don't get the idea that she interests you.
1: Well, no, I find her... I like, I like her music and you stuff like, like, like that, music. but I think in that part I was talking about this, the critical move fracas between rockism and poptimism that happened a few of years course, ago. Of course, which is
0: like, yeah. I mean, I'd say it was, I mean, 20 years ago, or no... 15 years ago, when I was writing about, you know, for Now Magazine, I was I wrote, uh, like, Ignition is, like, one of the best songs. I might call it the best song of the 20th century, which was probably hyperbolic, and uh, certainly, uh, I feel foolish... <laughs> I guess, to some extent. I
1: mean, it's easy to say now. Everyone loved Ignition at the time, right? I I think
0: people did think it was one of the greatest songs they'd ever heard.
1: But I just think it's a different thing, right? I mean, and it's not even a matter of what's better or worse, but Carl Wilson has written... Yeah, I mean, that was what I thought
0: your book had the most in common with was Carl Wilson's uh, Celine Dion book or or even he he wrote a
1: thing for the Village Voice a while ago about how when we talk about an album now or we talk about an artist we don't really talk about the work we talk about everything that exists we accept it, it as
0: an event and yes we, and, which is we shouldn't and that is al- <laughs>
1: but that has always happened like that ha- like I think I compare Beyonce to Bruce Springsteen right and Bruce Springsteen is so much an icon and avatar too he means so much that is, like, beyond him as a person, right? He's an idea. But he also is an idea who writes his own songs. And, like, that is, yeah. like, a difference where, like, I think that you're fun, you're working as a musician in a different way than someone whose albums have, you know, credits by 14 different songwriters. But
0: what I was wondering about was, and what I'm talking about, was the distinction in that book between Shake It Off, you know, and Beyonce. Like, right. you mentioned being addicted to the song Shake It Off. Let's say I'm addicted to the song... I guess, crazy in love. I'm not really addicted to any Beyoncé songs <laughs> right. particularly, but like crazy in love, let's say. It's like, really, what's the difference besides your taste? Well, I, I you know think what I mean? with, with like, stuff
1: like that, it likely is a matter of taste. Yeah. I mean, the, the point I was trying to make about Shake It Off is how pop music at the highest form has sort of adopted this kind of Axl Rose, Fred Durst pose <laughs> of sort of uh, preempting criticism from the yeah. haters, yeah. you know? Like Shake It Off was like this huge single where she's anticipating and rebuffing the critiques that she's just becoming right an empty so you're kind of copies. trying to say
0: you're, you're sort of in a sense criticizing her in, in that sense or also saying it's a very intelligent it's thing canny it's canny well it's I'm like, just saying it's like but to me it goes against what you would rather was happening in the world yeah which or was it's, sort of actual critical dissension and not or, or discussion yeah because dissension would I, be, I think it's considering it's a word you have basically in a yeah. yeah
1: but i think i think that there's something where that sort of stance like the sort of snot nose again like fred durst now this red hat gets a rap from these critics stance now this red hat gets a rap from the critics. <laughs> yeah there it is yeah. uh but i think that when that goes from being like okay here's a guy who's like bullshit defending like mm-hmm. angry white kids who really don't have that much of a reason to be angry but then when that enters sort of pop culture at the highest level it's it did with a song like Shake It Off. I find that interesting and i'm interested in why it's happening and i think that part of what she was ha-
0: a nazi icon <laughs> it i mean was- she became an icon to those uh you know the alt-right and when she sort of made a, her stand against it it was heartbreaking the
1: lamb that. and lynx set yeah. uh took her up <laughs> as one of their own
0: they really did
1: lamb and yeah. lynx was that am i right about that they're, i don't know what what do you mean lamb they and were links? nazi two nazis si- i'm <laughs> not I'm like i know way too much about nazi oh founders. those two girls Russian I mean, blue they they, were Prussian, they canadian no i think they i think they were american or maybe they're russian
0: um I no know. i mean it the the Donald uh, and the 4chan crowd, you know, the, but the racist end of it, really... And also the other end, because they wound up adopting all the racists' words and memes and right, everything. Right, right. You know, uh, they loved... Taylor Swift. Right. And they, they thought that she was an Aryan. Richard Spencer even talked about her. And
1: then when she came out as a Democrat.
0: Oh, they hate it. A I dummy mean, crap. A
1: dummy crap. Dumble crap. <laughs> 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 just get further and further. What's <laughs> the one I talk about at Chapo? Uh, someone calling Barack Obama
0: barf sack o' <laughs> It's
1: like not even close. Yeah,
0: I mean, just to let you know about the level of hate watch I've been since 2002. Yeah. Maybe even one. I have been monitoring this kind of stuff because I found out about a website called Boycott-Hollywood, which happened when, you know, whoever. Was it
1: like a David Mamet blog? Or?
0: <laughs> yeah, you were supposed to say it in a really specific way. Yeah. Boycott Hollywood. Uh, and and uh, it was filled with these sort of strange blog posts about Sean Penn being an idiot or Janine Ruffalo being an idiot, Rosie O'Donnell being an idiot. And they had what they called back in the day the blog roll, which was links (laughs) to all these other blogs. And I found out there were like hundreds of other blogs that were like super Islamophobic, I suppose. They all used words like idiotarian, which was long before identitarian. There was idiotarian, which was their way of making fun of the left. And they, they had a term they called fisking. Which, web is Fisking? <laughs> this came out of a website called Little Green Footballs, which uh, still exists. And it was this guy, Charles Johnson, a jazz trumpeter slash web designer. And he was super pro-Islam. Just like Charlie Parker. Super anti-Islam, you know, super post-9-11, angry, uh, really f- stoked racist flames all the time, hated Democrats. Over the years, as Obama came along, he changed. right. And finally, now he's one of the big anti-Trump centrist types, but voices. And you know, uh, they called he would do these uh, Robert Fisk takedowns, where like paragraph by paragraph, he would respond. You okay, know, like okay. quote paragraph response quote right. paragraph. Fisk is wrong here. <laughs> you got fisked. I just fisked, fisked. I fisked you. Yeah. So it was that level of like. Uh, idiocy, essentially, and, uh, you know, like, trigger, trigger trigger-happy, um, takedowns where, like, it doesn't even matter that you didn't logically win, it's just that you said something and a bunch of people agreed with you. Yeah, you were humiliated. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and these blogs, you know, Michelle Malkin was part of it, uh, what's her name, that horrible, Pamela Geller, um, really bad people, and, uh... Yeah, that was when I was... From, like, 2002. So, like, watching... I wish I did have the cogency to weave it all into, like, a narrative. And another really interesting guy is Pat Dollard, who okay. my friend turned me on to, who is a former Hollywood agent. Oh! Who turned into, like, a hyper-hawkish uh, conservative. I have no idea where he's at right now with stuff. And um, In terms of... of um, what do you think of, like, deplatforming? What do you think of what just happened to Faith Goldie? Uh, horrible hideous person yes I, mean, I do uh think she's had a really funny thing where like everybody was talking about how hot she was uh, not everybody but like her and lauren southern and another oh right they were like they were sort of like the, the brat stalls loads, of the idw know? yeah and i saw recently she looks insane faith you know? goldie yeah she looks like she's had a lot of work she looks like she doesn't eat yeah and just exercises and and uh yeah uh, what do you think she had her her, her Facebook,
1: yeah. So, so I mean, I don't know. I like, I, I think you just have to look at the results. Like Milo Yiannopoulos was like selling off of black velvet paintings of himself because he can't pull <laughs> in money anymore. Were people buying th- them? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Did you get one? I did. <laughs> I can't afford it. um <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, you know, I actually just finished this, like, really long article for a magazine about, like, the campus free speech battles, right? And I think that, like, there's a level of nuance here that is lost. But also these people, specifically Faith Goldie, she has been on, like, neo-Nazi podcasts. She peddles, like, the white genocide myth, you know?
0: <laughs> it's like like Red Ice TV, you know? Like, yeah. Like, Daily Stormer, these aren't that, like, I hate using words of the story to interrupt. Words of the day, uh, because I think that that's a dumbing down of the culture in a sense, too. SJW, sure. uh, virtue signaling. I am furious that these words have fall- have become mainstream.
1: But they, but they refer to categories that, even if they're imagined categories on the part of the alt-right or the IDW, that still exist. Yeah. You can say SJW, and you and I will know... It, not what kind of real person, but what kind of caricature is being conjured But those words phrase, are you know? being
0: used on every side now. Sure. You know, and unironically without me, you know, like my friend was like, oh, I don't want to seem like I'm virtue signaling and it's like or white knighting or all yeah, this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I understand also, it's like, this is the internet. This is how people are talking. It's like when the word stan became a verb for real, for real. Yeah. You know, that was because someone said it on the allhiphop.com forum right? it be just spread as an acceptable thing but, and then it hits real life.
1: But my so my issue with Faith Goldie is like yeah, I don't think she deserves to have a platform or, or make money or whatever. I think within a free society, you know, there are obviously limits on free speech and free expression and if she mm-hmm. ever started p- handing out zundel style pamphlets, that would be like a I different I think that's next. I mean, yeah, I mean that like yeah. that, that was that's obviously a different level, but it's like there again there's this confusion like Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, they're not actually the commons they're right. private companies that are owned by people who can run them however the hell they please so but what
0: would happen if you got iced out of of, of these
1: i mean i don't know like, that, well, you know I, what i mean like like, like i deleted you... my facebook and i'm just okay. glad to have the free time back you
0: know twitter for instance which you're you're you know I, uh you're very vocal on now i don't know if you view it as a useful like you know promotional tool or getting your messages out like i mean
1: i think i do more damage than good to my uh writing and stuff like that on twitter but
0: you do definitely get very you you get confrontational on you almost like preview what you'll be writing about or follow up what you've been writing about by addressing people who really uh you really don't respect
1: yeah well to me ultimately i mean Twitter is, like, scratching an itch. Like, it's almost a compulsion more than anything. And it's, like, I think that there's something, and, you know, it's gotten me in trouble, I'm sure it's gotten a lot of other people in worse trouble, Mm -hmm. where it's, like, you don't have a this is going to sound so cliche, but like a filter between what you're thinking and your ability to get it out there. If I were going to write an article about why Faith Goldie doesn't deserve a platform, I'd have to sit down and think about it. I'd have to get my thoughts together for a thousand words. It would have to go through an editor who would come back with questions and I'd have to answer and it would get kind of whipped into shape. And whether or not that shape reflects how I actually, Mm -hmm. in my id mind, think about it is a different thing, but it will be undoubtedly more useful than being like, you're a disgusting slob get off the internet you know
0: um yeah so i mean i do agree with you about about the uh what you're saying about deplatforming her and about the the privacy of these um companies and and i don't i don't have an issue with someone who said like the quote unquote the 14 words and especially that you know like but but i also think you know, Canada first, like, I wish that people would see the, like, so-called dog whistles, or, or, you know, the coded language, and realize that's as or more dangerous than overt statements. It's essentially the same as as saying something very overtly racist. I mean, I've seen lots of neo-Nazi accounts on Twitter that are not, maybe uh, wouldn't identify themselves as, like, neo-Nazis, but they would say that you know, Jewish conspiracies—they just and, have and, all the
1: same views and talking points as a neo Nazi. They're
0: spouting it repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly, and they're in an echo chamber. And I think those are incredibly dangerous, yeah. you know, because it's it's just whipping people into frenzies. And a lot, and and this one account in particular was retweeted by like people who killed people, you know. Right. So uh, yeah, I and and after the mosque uh shooting but it should have been long before i mean i just think you know special care towards people being very critical of islam in a super general way you know are 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 needed uh to be silenced it's just the problem with that is like well it might be bill maher (laughs) you know it might be people who are just like Otherwise fairly centrist or someone like Sam Harris. I mean, these are all people of value to Twitter, I'm assuming as sure. well, you know, because they have massive influx of yeah, they, people looking at. Their however, tweets, Twitter
1: generates their promoted tweets value. Guess, you yeah.
0: Know? Yeah. Like so it gets really complicated. And and I guess it is meaningful when these people are removed, given that they're drawing t- traffic
1: yeah you know. well exactly and i mean again if you take the case of milo i think we've proven that like milo went from being this sort of enfant terrible like yeah. three years ago to being a cultural non-entity yeah because he got the yeah. platform from stuff and like that is powerful i'm not saying that like i'm not so cold-hearted that i'm like oh milo yiannopoulos should be dying in a ditch you mm-hmm. know i mean what i'm sure other people think that the idea isn't even <laughs> that offensive to me or whatever but it's like it's like you know but he should should not be encouraged to have the tools to be able to monetize basically hatred and then also just kind of like rank stupidity like the yeah. other thing is like all this stuff happens under the auspices of bad faith do I think someone like Faith Goldie believes what she says yes I do but a lot of the people who defend her are defending her on this sort of bad faith well you have free expression bad faith that's yeah. how I feel about <laughs> yeah. Her. yeah exactly she is bad faith <laughs> uh, but it's yeah it's like first they came for the neo-nazi talking heads yeah, and sure. I said nothing because fuck them you yeah. know like and then what's next then they're going to come for you and you're virtue signaling it's like and wh-
0: what's ironic is you know not not to everyone loses when you bring in the second world war but not to but but you know the nazis were arrested in the early days partly because they were like brawling with people, yeah yeah, yeah. And, uh, which like, is happening now yes and, and because they tried to stage a coup and, <laughs> yeah. you know and Hitler famously went to jail and <laughs> yeah. wrote a whole book but, yeah but but at the same time it's it, it's uh you know they probably did have defenders you know in 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 those years you know saying lay off and i don't think that that helped (laughs) but even
1: i'm trying to think who it was it might have been gehring or one of them like the the nazis were very aware of the fact that they were exploiting the sort of flabby weaknesses of democracy especially standards around free expression and free speech in order to destroy democracy like they they are on record saying that they're doing that so i don't know i mean i'm a big reader i love reading history books and i think that like we can learn how many books a week
0: it? we at john uh,
1: everyone on the trivia board what's uh, your
0: average size a month nature? how much are you reading
1: oh i don't know i'll read a couple books a month I that's don't know. good that's a couple yeah, yeah, yeah. uh i don't know are they thick I just finished a thickie, uh, Greg Gutting's French Philosophy in the 20th Century. Okay. It's sort of like a history of uh, French thought in the 20th... It's exactly what the fucking title Does says. Does the book French you? Uh, no. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be nice to get a little bit of that. <laughs> but anyways, I don't know. Uh, Karl Popper talked about this, actually, about how like it's a thing that... I don't know who that is. He's a philosopher who's very smart. He wrote a book called The Open Society and Its Enemies. Uh-huh. Uh, and he talked about how there are sort of weaknesses built into liberalism and democracy which will allow them to be destroyed. And they're and,
0: probably also the beautiful beautiful parts of that, the fact that there are vulnerabilities. Well, exactly. Is, you know. But
1: it's like it's like you can't it doesn't make any sense to permit free expression when we've seen that the end point of certain types of free expression is the dissolution of that value itself.
0: Well yeah, incitement and this yeah. gets back to Owen Benjamin is he's, oh, right. he's someone who started by kind of Railing against free speech. And now fast forward maybe a year and he's on, in his farm, you know, in in New York talking about the Jews and, uh, talking about, you know, sodomites and he's just like, so sodomites really? Yeah. But he. what does he mean by that?
1: Like gay guys?
0: I guess. I mean, he's calling literally everybody a sodomite. Right. And, uh, he, he, but because of what happened before he has an audience of, you know, 30,000, 40,000 people. He's having his life paid for on Patreon, you know, and and uh you could say that uh Stephen Molyneux had a very similar thing happen where maybe he started and he was talking about how to pick up women or how to, uh, you know, like how to get by. And then, you know, a year later he's, he's talking about, maybe I am like a white genocide. Oh yeah. I'm I'm not a white supremacist, but I am an empiricist. Yeah. Like, is so, it, you've
1: seen his hour-long video, A Philosopher Abroad, yeah. where he goes to 99% white <laughs> Poland and talks about how it's great because there are no social justice warriors. Yeah, and, and Jordan Peterson,
0: there's even an argument that, you know, he started with something before the tr- hill he died on with trans people, or even adjacent to that, he was just talking about, you know, religious iconography and... and you know how to live life in a certain way, and then, you know, a year later, it's like he's at, or two years later, he's in Heritage, you know, like yeah, a, yeah. a heavy-duty Christian university, crying, and and you know he's he's but, uh, but there's no doubt he's attacking. I don't know if you saw his Esquire or GQ video interview, but. He comes in so ready for this woman who's interviewing him, you know to be completely combative, and you can really tell that he's expecting a a fight and it's kind of like you know, sure, you had this happen on he had this happen in British media before he had this but it's like come in good faith, isn't that your whole thing you know like
1: yeah, I mean. The thing with him, I think you have to look at like where you know, if this guy had his sort of YouTube lectures about the book of Genesis and how yeah. uh different myths and archetypes another are, side
0: of Joseph Campbell. That's all he was doing. Yeah, was or or version like of that. Whatever. It, young, it'd
1: yeah. be it'd be any sort of like, you know, halfway crackpot scholar who's totally out of step uh, with any scholarship that's coming out of the past. Joseph
0: Campbell. Yeah. That's what we
1: call <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's telling that he rockets to fame on his opposition to the Bill C sixteen yeah. gender expression thing. Like that is nobody knew who he was before that
0: well you know? and in u of t he was like the most popular professor yeah but even
1: you know? even then people talked about it. it's like oh like i mean i taught a bit at u of t and have students who would take how'd that go jordan peter was <laughs> okay yeah. but students would be like oh you know professor peterson says we shouldn't be learning about postmodernism and stuff like yeah, that no he was and always it's like on uh, the same okay tip. well that's weird that your psychology professor is saying that like i get it if you don't understand if you don't well a, i don't think he understands it or you don't agree with the precepts of a certain philosophical movement mm-hmm. but you should still be tested on it it's yeah. still a Thing that exists, it's like you can test students on the Second World War. It uh-huh. doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that happened, anyways. Uh-huh. But Peter said, "I mean, he went on this whole trip. it was so self-persecuting about. He's yeah. on the agenda. He's like, well, if they find me, I won't pay it. And uh, I'll die if I prison. go to jail, I'm Bobby Sands. Yeah. I'm the Bobby Sands but,
0: but, of people uh, who uh, don't want trans people to be identified uh, as what." what they are. Uh, yeah. So but instead of, <laughs> of that of he's world.
1: become a world famous commentator and like multi-millionaire many times over for his books. Yeah. And so he's redoing this... his house.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? So so this idea that like you know the government is going to come and crack down on you and compel your speech, literally the opposite thing has happened. He's become a celebrity as a result of well, it.
0: Well, the biggest thing that's happening right now is the majority is defining itself as a minority and as oppressed, right. you know? So and and uh I mean, what are you supposed to do with that? I haven't seen a fully successful... I mean, it's kind of like the Limp Bizkit thing you were talking about. And it's like I haven't seen a fully successful takedown of that because, again, I feel like in the U.S., you know, uh, the the majority of people are in that place of privilege. There's a massive influx of people. I know they say 5% of people have... Uh, more or one percent, you know, the one percent. But the truth is, the middle class in the U.S., which I, they say is shrinking, even the lower middle class have it way better. Right. You know, in terms of not debt. I'm not talking about debt. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about bills. I'm talking about like day to day living, driving an SUV. You know, like having internet, TV, like.
1: Well, I think that this, this rhetoric of, of white privilege and stuff like that. I think it's very easy. Uh, for it to become sort of self-parodic at a point. But I do think I've always seen this and like this whole movement around men's rights and the restoration of the patriarchy as the ultimate embodiment of it. Because not only do you want everything Mm -hmm. and to be advantaged and to have these sort of invisible privileges that are granted to you that are fundamentally denied to other people, but you want so much that you also want to feel oppressed. You want the sort of like the the extra glean of being the underclass even when you're not
0: white people. That's the number one yes. battle cry of of all of these
1: And let me things. just also say I mean maybe this gets back to the haterish stuff but it's like and also this article I'm working on about sort of uh, how people are discriminated against on campuses and stuff like this it's like, there, there's a difference between discrimination in the negative, awful sense, and discriminating... Like, it's bad to say you can't talk here because you're a black person or you're a trans woman. That mm-hmm. is undoubtedly bad. But there's also discrimination in the way that, oh, he has discriminating taste. It's not yeah. the same thing... It's, there's a difference between being discriminated against and being unfairly discriminated against. But, you know, the
0: against. broad uh, skimming of everything that people are doing, especially on social media, means that, you know, discriminating could be taken to mean that you know completely out of context. I mean I know I'm I'm exaggerating. Well, when conservatives
1: but, are like, "Oh, there's a prejudice against conservatives." And it's yeah, like, but well, I'm just
0: talking about if you're like, "I have discriminating tastes, you could have somebody literally tweet, "Oh yeah, I always knew you would discriminate." You know, like <laughs> I really think that's where we're at. Yeah. I I mean, I, I can I hijack with a I want Yeah, hijack. On something sure. Here. So I recently had something that made me think, "Why am I so positive in the writing I do, uh, for like newspapers and stuff when I do it. Like, that's the thing is when I came back to Toronto, I was like, okay, well, I guess I could reach out about doing some freelance writing. And, and so I've been writing here and there about mostly music stuff. Right. And, uh, I reviewed a concert the other week. Uh, and, and when I review a long time ago, when I was young, I was doing snarkier. or, you know, I realized I was hired to be like making fun of shit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I always know made that a did. point. To cram that in, and as I got along, I was like, "What the fuck? What am I doing here?" Like, and I got really self conscious in a way. I was like, "Well, I'm a musician or a comedian, com- or a comedian can't be both." And uh, I know what this stuff that I'm doing means to me, and I know the effort I'm putting into it. So why am I writing about this stuff without that grounding knowledge as right. my foundation from my from my perspective and especially for live shows, I was like, if I'm doing a review of a live show, how is my opinion of something that a bunch of people paid for and are loving right now? And I'm not, again, I'm not saying that my questioning, like I came to a a hard conclusion of like, how can I go not acknowledge that this worked for like 90% of the crowd? Right. Or seemingly everybody, you know? And so I kind of, and I got it out of punk zines actually. It's like, Sometimes just recapping is, I think, the fairest thing, especially in a live review of a band, right. because it's like, what if they had a bad night? What if they did this? You know, like you could say, and if you're recapping it, you can still say, well, they brought a giant swastika on stage and it was a cake and they were like eating it while <laughs> soloing, you know, it was an all guitar band. And it was impressive they could solo and eat a cake, but I didn't like that it was a swastika. swastika cake. You know, like you can still get that going. But the most important thing is that you're saying what it was accurately, you right. know, or something. And so there's an edge of positivity to that, you know. And I've kind of always done it by that, partly because it's like been a third tier thing I do. You know, it's like not the main thing I do. So it's like I've set some Pocket money, how I do Walking it. Walking around money walk around money uh you know bus fare money right let's be real uh one bus trip money um and the other week i went to a show and long story short is there was a person who performed earlier and it was a kind of show where i was focusing on the final act primarily and i wrote about them and the other person who performed and I thought it was a good review of them, so I tagged them in it which in the, on Twitter, which is a rookie mistake, it turns right. out. And the person, the artist in question, freaked out. And they were like, see, first of all, you're a pussy. Is uh, that true? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, no, is it true
1: that you're a pussy? I yeah.
0: <laughs> and, uh, and then, second of all, this is why a white guy shouldn't review a rap show. You know, I'm not a SoundCloud rapper. Right. Even though... I listened to her newest work on SoundCloud, and I don't view SoundCloud as a negative thing at all, <laughs> and I didn't mean it negatively at all. And they said, secondly, my visuals are not—I call her visuals terrifying, but I didn't mean it negatively again right. because to me, the word terrifying does not. It's yeah, like bad. saying a horror movie is terrifying. Yeah. It's like, and the visuals were her smoking weed in front of fire, a logo, uh, her logo with like a silver s- serpent rotating constantly okay. on a giant screen and also pe- a pentagon <laughs> and I called it terrifying yeah. and it was and then I also she said at the end of her show uh, we should hey you guys are great we should all have an orgy and I was like I made a joke at the end that was like we you know saying that in knowledge show is show it's kind of you know in these sensitive times is tr- uh, you know tricky is bold whatever I punk did. rock uh, that was my implication yeah but she read it like you were censoring her. Being, I, I was judging her. I was going to get her in trouble. Scold this, this was really, you know, and so she has 30,000 Twitter followers. Oh, and she also was like, you're afraid of a strong black woman. And... Is that true? And then she said, suck my strap. Um, <laughs> am I afraid of a strong black woman if we're in an arm wrestling match? I'm afraid I might lose. Right. You know, um, no, I mean, I certainly, I'm afraid of everything, first of all, so... It's just uh, like I'm afraid of nothing. If you're afraid of every, mm-hmm. I just have. I just don't in my conscious feel that way, you know. And uh, I, I, but I engaged with her because I just was like, and she had thirty thousand Twitter followers, so they're all right. suddenly piling on me. And uh, I was like, no, I really liked what you were doing. I think it's great. And I wound up sort of somewhat. Getting her to the point where she was just like, I just don't want these blogs to write about me at all. And I'm like, blog, okay. I mean, this is like a weekly newspaper. I guess it's a blog. What's the difference? Yeah. And it was just, you know, part of me was like, why am I writing, trying to write neutrally and positively if, like, if who I am or the wording of what I'm saying is being taken in a certain way? Maybe I just should have been, like, mean. Or at least Or like, super posy. Super posse. Yeah. Or <laughs> not mentioned at all that there was other people beyond the headliner. I mean, what do you think of that situation as a person who has written many reviews?
1: Well, I'll say you, the dream is always you want everything to be positive.
0: You that know? is the dream.
1: Well, that's an interesting thing for the hater to say. Well, but this is the thing that I'm aware Dr. of hater, Dr. Dr. I, uh, Dr. Hater. Dr. Hatred. Dr. Hater. But uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes at work, like I'll get assigned to review movies, and I, I know that the editors will know that I have a predisposition to dislike it. Yeah. But that they, well, I, I think that there's a sort of, again, a self parroting thing. Parodying thing where it's parroting is. So, I'm parroting myself. Self parenting. Self parenting. That's important uh, Self authoring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a thing where it's like, okay, well, we want this to be mean because many people will be positive about it, so it's nice to have sort of an alternative take. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing where it becomes a little bit of a parody, where it's like, oh, I have to be the person sniping about the Disney remake of Dumbo, right? And and like you know, really fucking getting the claws yeah. out for Tim Burton, who's like a billionaire, but you know. But I, I also think that, you know again as someone
0: who likes to hold contradictory opinions to space for sure, he's <laughs> yeah. going to Amazon sure yeah. one of the first. But, but Lisa I, Marie, even I, if he's not with.
1: I think there is a there is a benefit to having someone who is predisposed to dislike something that so many people are predisposed to like. I mean, if there's an inherent bias baked in, then mm-hmm. what makes one more virtuous than the other, you know?
0: Well, you know, that was another thing about your book was uh, I thought that... Uh, um what was it? There was Gen Egg, but there was something else that's, that stood out to me. Oh, I thought it was interesting. Um, I guess it's not the kind of. It, it's a book that is written in the moment. In fact, I thought that there's something about this book, "Hater" by John Semley, on the virtue of utter disagreeability. Very uh, good, thank you. Uh, written by John Semley, edited by uh,
1: Justin Stoller, Justin and Penguin Soule. Random House
0: Canada. Cover designed by uh, Doctor uh, Hatred, uh, yeah. and. Uh, you know, where it's really something – it feels like this is a – your career is, like, currently in progress. So your mentality on this is shifting as you go. Yeah. You know, and your understanding of this is – seems to be – you're still kind of looking at all sides of it, basically, you know.
1: Well, yeah, that's that. That's part of it. I mean, I think that uh... – Again, like this, this book kind of emerged from the idea of like, well, what if we take the you know like Ice T is always calling people haters, you know? And well, I love everybody's
0: it. calling. Mark Marin calls people haters. I yeah, mean, literally, it's almost like on that SJW virtual signering, like when we were talking about player haters in the '90s, it was literally if you hate a pimp.
1: Yes. Yeah. But it's like let let's take this, which is used as an insult, and see if we can't understand like a why people are haters or yeah. what the impetus is there, what animates it, and B, if there's not a way to sort of Eve uh, Ensler style reclaim it, yeah. you know, uh into kind of a badge of honor. Because I think that like part of the problem these days, especially in thinking about arts and entertainment and liberal politics, is this sort of wan positivity that I yeah. can't stand. Yeah. Like I say, this, this sort of vaunting of, of ideas of hope and love that is totally, I don't buy it. Right. I don't think that those people actually uh, think that love will Trump hate. I don't think that they are informed by love when they protest Donald Trump, you know. So I wanted to sort of, I don't know, pierce the hypocrisy of that or something. Yeah,
0: no, that's good. I mean, like, that's interesting just in the context of what I've been trying to do, because I think I had a long phase of essentially being like. That's nice Nice you made something. That was like basically my perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And What have I ever done? No, not even what have I ever done. That's nice you made something. I make stuff too. Cool. Um, And now I'm kind of like, it sucks that people are making stuff. This is a work in progress. Yes. But uh, We're all works in progress. We're all works in progress. So thank you for coming. Thank you, Nick. There's a lot else I wanted to talk to you. Pick up this and the kids in the hall book called this is not a Kids in the Hall. This is a book about Kids this in the Hall. This is a book about Kids in the Hall. Good to be here. By John Semley. Check him out at, at John Semley. Is that what it is? At John yeah. Semley 3000. 3000. He wasn't the first John Semley. He was the 3000s. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Bye. And that was my talk with John Sumley. Didn't we have fun? Didn't we go from A to B? B, point A, point B, fast, but not too fast. Gave you a little time to savor it. Talked about some things. Opened up some discussions. What did you think? Weeklypodcast at gmail.com. Let me know. All the information about where you can check out some of my stuff. That's in the show notes, all the stuff. But same with John Semley. You can go and check out his stuff. That's in the show notes too. And if there's something you want me to cover in the future someone you want me to talk to, let me know. I'm really interested in your feedback. Thank you for listening to the show. You are my heart. But at the same time, it's healthy for us to have a level of distance. But you are my heart. But you can't just come over to my house willy-nilly. But you are my heart. But you can't just, like, Tell people you know me in order to get into clubs. Actually, you know what? You can do that. If you're going to Club 54, tell them you know me. They might not let you in, but it might help me trying to get in there in the future. Too complicated. You're great. Have a good night. Talk to you soon. Woo! Nick Flanagan Weekly Nick Flanagan Weekly